<laughs> it's going to be a very dingy show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, so we said we would talk about Wave on our next podcast, and it's, I swear that was two days ago. Well, that was more like, when was <laughs> that? That was th- Thursday? Was that Thursday? We po- yeah, we recorded it on Thursday, but we posted it two days ago. So. Right. So it feels like we're just like finishing one and jumping right into the other. So between not having enough time to do my homework and Such a the slacker. fact that you can't do anything with Wave yet, I feel like I'm unprepared. But you're like the little whatever. kid that, that's at school that didn't do his homework and you're trying to explain away why you're like, yep. my dog ate it. My dog my, ate the wave. My dog ate wave. And he hasn't pooped it out yet. So yep. I can't it's just kind of, it's kind of accurate. Salesforce yeah. hasn't pooped it out yet. You just get the, 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 the teaser, you know, you know, it's coming, but it's not out yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I did some digging. I played around with the app itself. I did some digging trying to understand. Now, you say the app itself. Do you mean this pre-prepared, like, functionless or, you know, whatever, the mobile, like the iOS app that just lets you click around on a a couple of um, pre-set-up, like, dashboards? Yeah, pretty much. It it they it's basically exploring analytics. It's you you download the app. Anyone can actually download the app and start running it today. Um, meaning, I'm sorry, not that you're going to be able to run it today. Sorry, didn't mean to get everyone's hopes up. You'll be able to explore pre-built data sets that they've enabled for that application. Um, do you think there's even data sets behind that? Yes, I do. Okay. I mean, I'd love to like. I should. You can actually up. add a new like. It comes with a default account that's linked up probably to some you know, global data store that everyone can access and play around with. Um, again, you're not really modifying data. You're just uh, manipulating how it's viewed and filtered. Okay. Um, and that's really what the analytics is all about, is just kind of taking data sets, manipulating it, and manipulating it in terms of visuals or filtering or totaling and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, th- there is an option to kind of add an account and log into your Salesforce org. But obviously if you don't have licenses for analytics, which unless you're in the pilot, you don't, um, it's, it's a moot point, but you can at least download the app and start playing around with it. And I took some notes about the app itself and what I liked and what I didn't like and all those kind of things. Um, but you know, I was really confused. I was confused by a lot of things. Actually, I was confused by the site for analytics and I was confused by the concept of wave. What, what site are you talking about? The Salesforce site to basically go and get more information about Salesforce oh, analytics, like, okay, the, the which basically page. has no information about analytics. It is a horrible, very marketing heavy site that gives you no information. Yeah. It's pretty content free. So the, the analytics website is a horrible piece of crap. <laughs> oh man, that's harsh. <laughs> it, it looks nice. It's pretty. Um, has some you know nice things going for it, but here's the problem: when you go there to get more information, um, you, can, like, is, you can watch a demo that's you actually, can watch, n- but it's not. It's it's not a demo though. <laughs> no, it's a commercial. It's the same commercial we saw at Dreamforce, and you could see the GE commercial that they did, which again was just a really highly stylized commercial with you know random actors, not real people. Okay, you know, drawing on glass boards with markers <laughs> and doing really cool engineering things while they have their phones in their hands with analytics on it. It's, it was, it's, ugh. so the, the GE ad was, and, and I, I'm, I'm sure that GE has been working with sales, you know, so, so Mark 
and uh, others have said that you know, they actually grabbed, you know, I don't know, a dozen, you know, maybe 30 of their customers to pilot this while they're building it. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'm sure there's, I'm sure they, they get a nice, you know, compensation for that. They probably get to use Wave for free for the first, you know, couple of years or something. I mean, that's the way these things always work. Uh, so I have no doubt that happened. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not claiming it didn't, but the, I do feel like everything that, the, if you watch that ad, um, the, it, it seems like if, in, uh, some people might say, of course, but it seems like Salesforce wrote, totally wrote that script. And that actually was, had nothing to do with what GE's actual experience was. That was just a completely scripted by the PR slash product teams on the, this is what we want you to say. Again, I'm not saying that GE hasn't been working with Salesforce to build this, but I don't feel like that script was true at all. Yeah, I think it was just a mutual commercial for both sides. It's yeah. Salesforce using analytics, and it's GE showing how how cool they are with all the stuff that they do. Right. You know, all the different things they're into. But But you mentioned that watch the demo button. And here's what I hate about the site, is it has all these different sections about, you know, hey, you can use it for this, or you can use it for that. And it has, like, these broken out sections that show, like, on the feature section. Mm-hmm. And each one of those sections has a watch demo button. Now, what do you think of when you, when you see that? You think you're going to click the button and see a demo about that feature section that you're on. Like it's just if, the same thing over and over? It's the same yeah. video yeah. over and over. So why have all those links to that? Is the site unfinished? Are the videos not ready? I just think, again, the content is very sparse on, on Wave right now. And, and my other beef with it is that they have that learn more link. And I clicked on it and it, it wants your information. It wants know, to generate lead up. out of it. I was like... <laughs> I tried every which way to avoid doing that, yeah. and I decided, fine, I'll do it. Maybe I'll get a nice little white paper PDF or something out of it. You know what I got? Nothing. Yeah. Oh, that it you says, didn't. It says yeah. thanks. We'll keep you posted. Right here, go watch the video, the demo. Uh, what? What did oh, we no, talk? No, no, it, no. It actually sends you to. You click on it. It sends you to iTunes so that you can download the analytics app. That's how you get. That's how they expect you to get more information on analytics. Yeah. Well, we. I mean, that's. Last week we were talking about how, you know, it, one of the big challenges of Dreamforce, at least from like the new, the new, the new feature and new product announcements, is just figuring out what what is really there and what's not. I mean, if I from from most of the you know analyst coverage, which again I was complaining about because it's it's just so, uh, you know, it's just like surface level coverage on all of this stuff. But even even at that point, I mean, all of the analysts are talking about how this this was not ready. And, and, you know, Salesforce, I guess, isn't claiming that it is ready. Obviously, it's not ready. It, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be in pilot. It's in pilot now. And that's if you can get in, which hard, I don't think, I think only the biggest of big companies can get in the pilot, as far as I can tell. And it probably will be pilot in, you know, for, for there's at least one more Salesforce release. And, and the thing is, it, it looks like the front end is probably more developed because obviously that's what they're showing off. And that's the one thing they're letting you look at is you can install the app, the mobile app. Um, and it just has a predefined, you know, backend data set. But I think I, from what I can tell, it looks like the backend tools are, are just not ready yet. So there's apparently some, I just, I heard, you know, I saw a couple of people allude to the fact that there, there is a backend, um, like data management app that, that someone who you know knows what they're doing has got to use to set up your data sources. You know, cause if you think of traditional BI, like, you know, you have, to, you, you, you know, you have, you know, your raw data, right? But then on top of that, you want to define cubes and things so that, so that, you know, you have some analysis layer that, 
that you know based on those cube definitions is is just scrubbing over all of your all the transactional data building building all those cubes right you know so that when you you know click on the bar graph for you know the US or the you know Asia re- region or whatever it's it it's really not having to query over you know all the 82 billion of your records it's that's already been done but you have to have all those cubes predefined because that analysis work is offline and it takes a long time to build that up Right. So, so yeah, there's, there's, there are backend tools that, that are just not ready yet. And I don't, I don't think we've seen, I mean, they certainly weren't demoed and I don't think we're even talked about at all. No, I Um, think at most what we got was the, the graph that showed how much data was available. So, cause, cause he, he, the, who was it? Was that the French guy presenting? Yes. Yeah. I don't remember his name. I apologize for that, but, um, you know, he even alluded to, or he just like, he's just like, I love looking at that graph. I love seeing that number of a million records in there that we can, you know, analyze. Or oh yes. He, that, and that was, I look at that was the, that was like the raw, um, like the raw record count, I guess that underlies all yeah. that. And all it was, was a little, I don't know, a little bar chart basically. It just, was, and, I, and it was one bar. And yeah. I tried to understand cause I mean. I was trying to look, figure out why you're so excited about that. It's part of the course for analytics is yeah. to store that much information or you know, handle that much information. Exactly. But my point was on that though, that, um, you know, th- and that was billions of the, that bar that he had, it showed some number of billions of records. And obviously when he's clicking through the, that, you know, his D three charts, it's not, it's not querying that real. It's not, it's not querying through all that data real time. It's querying some type of, you know, analytic server or, you know, some, some no SQL database that's, that's holding this cube in, info. Right. So the guy's name, by the way, so we can give him a name. <laughs> it's, I don't know how to say it, but Alex Dayon, D-A-Y-O-N, Dayon. Sounds about right. It's French, so uh, Dayon, probably, right? <laughs> Again, trying to get the French language in, or yeah. accent. Well, I'm just trying to do the guy justice. We're giving, you know, we're, uh, we're focusing on him, so at least we can just try to say his name. Yeah, yeah. But, and you know, the other thing is it's like, okay, well, what are the, where, where does this data go? Cause we were talking about how, you know, there's no way this is going in Salesforce's traditional relational storage because that's, it's Oracle and it's, you know, hardcore relational and it's expensive. And, um, and that's, that's their, that's their online transaction system. So we know we're not going to be querying against that. Cause that would, that would slow down just performance for, you know, regular Salesforce users. Um, and it turns out that I think they mentioned this in the keynote, but there there are like twenty or thirty companies who have predefined or who are like predefined vendors of data. So like SAP is one. Um, I don't know. I can't remember the others. And I think the way that works is, and again, we don't know because like I don't think anyone is really using Wave yet. But all these applications, SAP, um, let's say Oracle, Oracle apps, um, you know. Um, HR systems, maybe what's the other, what's the online HR system that, uh, work work? yeah, Workday. you know, so I, I bet you that these guys have, um, in partnering with Salesforce on wave, they've defined, you know, their data sets and, and predefined cubes for how they think people are going to want to summarize and slice and dice their data. And if you use any of those systems, you can, you can participate in that and they will push your data over into Salesforce's, you know, analytics storage system whatever that is you know some combination of you know react and cassandra or hbase or to or whatever they're you know whatever they're using to store that this actual you know analysis data in 
Um, but the thing is, is if you, what they didn't mention is if, you know, if you have your own data or if you have other applications that are, that are um, outside of this, you know, these predefined connect connectors, right? Well, what do you do? And I don't, th- I don't think there's an answer yet um, because, you know, you, I've heard people talk about, you know, made the fact that Salesforce doesn't have, you know, their own ETL tools or whatever. And I don't think that's a problem. I mean, Salesforce does have, I mean, they have partners with, you know, with these ETL tools and, and of course there's things like the data loader and whatever, but those, the, all those do is put your data right in the Oracle transactional storage database. And that's not what we're talking about here. We've got to get our data into, uh, you know, this, this new wave data storage system. Um, and that's going to be a new API. So there's a new wave API that I don't think they talked about, but I, th- that I think is going to, that is going to um, be exposed at some point. If you can get access to wave that you, that you can use to push your all, you know, this massive amount of data into um, Salesforce's, you know, wave storage system, but it's just, it's not accessible yet. Yeah. But I, yeah. And I think that comes back to what I was trying to figure out is, well, what, why is everything saying Salesforce analytics? And then at the bottom of it, it says powered by wave. So what is wave? And I, I think you hit on it. I think wave is that underlying technology. It's going to be those APIs to, to be able to communicate with that system. And I think they had to give it a name because, you know, Salesforce before the wave announcement, I mean, Salesforce has always claimed that they had analytics, right? And what they meant mm-hmm. by that was reports and dashboards. Right. So I guess they could have either called it, you know, analytics two, which probably doesn't do it justice. So that's, I think that's why they probably decided they had to come up with some, either a, you know, code name or in this case, just, you know, product name for it. Yeah. I bet you though, that the name wave is one of these things that will get rebranded out of existence a year from now. That's possible. Put that in the uh, prediction book. I, I don't doubt it. I mean, they, they go through a lot of marketing shifts and um, we can actually talk about that a little bit later because there was a few kind of marketing shifts that, that they made that I think were subtle. Not many people maybe didn't notice, um, but we can talk about that later. But so one of the other things I wanted to learn about Wave is exactly who is Wave for. Uh, Salesforce on their press release says that Salesforce is, or analytics is for business users, not just analysts. Um, I don't think the pricing really matches with that that train of thought i mean the pricing is really expensive it you're not going to have average sales users using analytics it's going to be upper c maybe v level people um that are consuming this information with some you know true analysts building the information the the data sets for them well so i think you'll have a a, i kind of agree i guess i mean i think the pricing is not in line with what the message is. So in fact, let me, uh, okay, well, first of all, I got to get this one out of the way. Are you excited about wave? Woo! Woo! Are you excited about wave, John? <laughs> Even though you can't get it. Um, yeah. okay. So this is what I was talking about. Uh, wave. It is the Salesforce analytics cloud. And there's three. Notice how out of breath he is. I do. He he really got excited. He he I think got he his heart to, rate up. I think he needs to get get on an exercise regimen or something. Anyway, he's things got, that are really important. What I was gonna say, he's got his Fitbit. My Fitbit. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, okay. Um, where was I? Important about Wave, and we've really been just 
you know, singularly focused on these three things. Number one is that, well, you know, I always build products that I want to use, and I want to build the products that all of you are using, that everyone is using, that all the employees can use. And that's kind of a first in the analytics industry. This is a product for everyone. Yeah, okay. and I call false on that. Yeah. Not, not only does, does the pricing make it inaccessible to all those users, um, also in their press release, they outline partners, Wave ecosystem partners. And I'm assuming these are partners who have the inside knowledge of Wave and have been working with those customers that, that they, he mentioned or that he has piloting this system. And, and these are the names, Accenture, Deloitte, Informatica. Um, these are big, major, you know, well, Informatica's big middleware, and then you have Accenture and Deloitte, just big, just gigantic, you know, body shops, basically. Right. Well, that, those and are the big cater, consulting they cater partners. To, they cater to huge enterprise, basically. Right. Um, so, obviously, their, their target audience right now is big enterprise. They're not starting with the small guys and working up to enterprise. They're, they're going after that that enterprise customer. They're trying to compete with SAP and SAS and whoever else has some kind of analytics offering. Yeah. But uh, so, so I mean, as far as the pricing, you know, so what does a, what does a license of um, Salesforce cost? Like the just Salesforce enterprise edition, is it like 125 bucks something? I mean, you know, before you get to big discounts. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't had to deal with that in a long time. I think it's like 120, maybe it's 135, but something, you know, somewhere around there. And, so Wave is just just for the Explorer license, which is you can you can you know consume the analytics. You can't you know design anything. That's another one twenty five a month on top of that. You so you're doubling your user license cost. So r- right there, that tells you that they, there's no way that they intend for for companies that do use Wave to to enable like their entire user base to use Wave, right? There's no way people can double their Salesforce cost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because they're already spending, you know, what fifteen hundred dollars a year per user, and now sell, you know this would be three thousand dollars a year per user. I mean, there's not there's not many companies that could possibly even go for that. And that's just again, that's just the explore. You know, the people who are going to be designing reports and dashboard, or what are they called, lenses? Uh, or was it apps, lenses, and um, what was it? Oh. Lenses, dashboards, and data sets grouped into apps. So if you want to design any of those, then you have to have the Explorer, or sorry, the Builder, which is two fifty a month. So again, that's an additional an additional three thousand on top of the fifteen hundred for a user for a year. Um, so yeah, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I've like look at so I th- I think the I think like the market they're going after, like like I mentioned last time, is it's like the Tableau space. So that's they've been really successful, and I, th- I think that's their. I think that's the area they're going after, and I think they'll be going after Tableau. And, and now Tableau is—I um, looked it up. So the the personal edition is, you know, a thousand bucks for a, a a user. Like a that's a one time license fee, and there's maintenance. So you you want you know if you want automatic updates for I guess beyond a year, you know, there's it's essentially like an upgrade price, but it's probably a fra- it's a fraction of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the pro edition, and that's kind of like Salesforce's builder license. And that's, that's $2,000. So, you know, let's say you have a, a small, you know, let's say you have a, ten, a five person business. Um, you can, you know, Tableau will cost you, you know, all in like a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, whereas Salesforce would be seven fifty a month for that same setup. 
So, you know, almost 10 grand a year. So it, it, the pricing does not, does not make sense. It's not in line with, you know, Salesforce's competition. Right. Um, now, maybe what Salesforce would say is, well, you know, Tableau doesn't have, you know, doesn't run natively and doesn't have access right out of, right out of the box to, you know, all, I don't know, all the Salesforce, or maybe these connections that Salesforce has to these 30 other vendors that have predefined connections into the, into the Wave database. And so that's, it's much more valuable than Tableau is, but I don't know. I mean, I'm struggling to think of, of, com- of any of my customers that would, that would be able to afford this. The other thing is, we, you remember how we talked about how there's, there's also like a per org license? Right. Do you, have, have you seen what that is or have you heard? Okay. You want to you know what it is? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let, let's, let's play a game. Let's guess. How, how much do you think it is? I'll tell you right now, it's, it's a per month, you know, it's a per org per month thing. Uh, 200. 200 bucks? Yep. Per org per month. Oh, per org? Yeah, per, for the org, right. Oh. So, we, no, you have the user licenses, either the builder or the explorer, the, you know, 250 and 125 per user per month. Right. But there's the per org per month price. So you have to, you know, you have to buy the platform, essentially, and that's how you do it. What do you think that is? Uh, let's say a grand and some change. So, let's say 1250. Okay, twelve fifteen a month. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's forty thousand dollars per org per month. Per month, forty thousand. Wow. So, what does that tell you? Well, it tells you they're not going after Tableau. So, <laughs> or again, they're they're this is for the Salesforce's largest customers only. Right. Um. I don't think I'll have any opportunity to use this if that's the case. I just, you know, I have customers that use Tableau and like it, and they, it even runs on their Salesforce data. So uh, this, I, I don't. And, you know, if you compared it, though, to like, who are the big, you know, uh, Cognos and Business Objects and IBM, you know, they've all got these, you know, S-Base, they've, they've all got these, you know, basically business intelligence, you know, at, analytical data products that is what Salesforce is competing with here. And, and I'm sure on the big end, I mean, I'm sure those are expensive too, but man, this, I, but I don't think that's where Salesforce is. I don't think they're going to, I don't think feature wise, it's going to, it's going to compete with those products. I really no, think it's more along with the lines of like Tableau. Yeah. Because those, those larger players have moved on from simply just providing analytics and trying to go into predictive analysis. So they're, they're actually trying to write software and algorithms that are going to help make sense of that data. Whereas today, you know, Salesforce analytics is going to do nothing more than just kind of display the information and, you know, help you identify patterns in that data. But it's still up to the person to do that actual analysis on, you know, well, what does that mean moving forward? Yeah. And I, and I see nowhere where you can, I mean, because, you know, real data analysis, and you're talking about people with, you know, data science or, Strong statistical backgrounds you that are, are talking about analysts. Um, yeah, but even I mean that's such a generic word. I'm, I'm talking about a certain type of you know analyst that that would know how to write, write statistical tests and send those send those off to the system for the, for it to run those you know for, to run that kind of job right. But that's I don't think that's what we're ta- I don't think that's what we're talking about here. I don't think this I don't think Wave is that type of product. I don't think it's, you know, and again, I don't, think I don't think your typical Salesforce admin is going to be tasked or will have success tasked doing this unless they have some kind of statistical knowledge. Well, and that brings up the whole point of like, what is a Salesforce admin nowadays? I mean, 
Salesforce ranges from, you know, call center to, you know, hosting and designing websites to now, you know, this analytical business intelligence, you know, you, you can't have one, especially in a large org, you're not going to have one admin that's has all the skills for the whole system. Right. I mean, this is something that companies are going to have to figure out. And I think these consulting companies are going to have to figure out too. It's, you know, an admin is not an admin is not an admin. There's people with different, you know, skill sets and people are going to have to focus on a certain area. No, I agree. I, I just think, I think the point is, at least the argument that I'm trying to make is that regardless of what was said at Dreamforce, that this is for everyone, everyone's, you know, everyone should be able to use this and get benefit out of it. The pricing, the, the amount of knowledge and skills that it takes to use it, the way they're targeting it in terms of, you know, who they've picked to, to kind of pilot it. it, it's just, it's way above the average Salesforce user, probably company. Yeah. And, and, you know, that whole Dreamforce felt like that. Dreamforce felt like it was targeting someone entirely different. It was targeting, say, that upper 5% of, of their customer base, that the large enterprises, the, the big guys, you know, they had, they brought on that boat even during the analytics to you know, show all that. And, you know, you and I felt that was kind of out of touch. The, the, the elitist, the elitism, is that even a word? Elitism. On, elitism, there you go, was on full display. And, and, and for some reason, this product kind of fit in well with that because I don't see this being used by, by everyone. I think it's a great tool. And I think, I think there are a lot of companies out there, small, big, medium, would love to have this type of analytics in their sales force and their reporting and their dashboards, ability to you know, take this data and manipulate a little bit more. But that, that's not who they're targeting with this. Yeah. Well, and there's also the, the distinct possibility that this high, this pricing, which seems really high, is not going to last. Like this may be a strategy, of, you know, by Salesforce to position, to position wave, right? Psychologically in the, in, you know, in the minds of users, customers, and the, you know, the, the press, um, that this is a high end product and that Salesforce is because, because, you know, Salesforce is behind the eight bell on this, right? They, yeah. um, they're late to the game. And so this is Salesforce's way of saying, hey, this isn't just something we threw together in three months. This is a premium product. And see, look, look at our price. See how expensive it is? There, that's how you know it's a premium product. Yeah. Um, it's really not. I mean, we, we know that it's, it's late and it's, you, know, you can't even get data into it yet. Unless you're you know, one of four companies that are at the top of the Fortune 100 and you use these, you know, these predefined connectors. Um, I, think, I think what you'll see, though, is that you know, the license, I think you'll see the licenses drop, you know, maybe by even half. I mean, look at like what they've done in the past. Remember when they came out with it, was it advanced analytics and it was, um, they tried to get more money for it and they ended up just actually dropping that completely. Like they just, everyone gets it for free and chatter wasn't chatter expensive when it came out, like 50 bucks a user or something like that. And now isn't it free? I thought chatter always came with it. I didn't think it was an additional loss. No, it started out at like 50 bucks a user a month. Wow. That's such short-term memory. Oh. So I, I think I think it's just a positioning so, thing. So do you think analytics is here to stay that one way or another they're going to make it work and make it, you know, a solid offering kind of like chatter and, and all the other tools or, you know, like their chatter communities, their social stuff that seems to be doing well? I would think eventually Salesforce w- does want to put this in the hands of all of its customers. Isn't that kind of like Salesforce? I think I think they're having fun with this release. It's not even ready, so why not price it at a level that no one can afford, right? Because it's not ready. I mean, the the 
the biggest problem they'd have is if they if they said it was you know um you know you just pay a twenty five hundred dollar entry fee and uh, it's all you know it's all you can eat right because then they'd get a you know they'd get fifty thousand customers that sign up for it and it's it's not available <laughs> so they they price it out of reach so no one's going to buy it and at the same time it's 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 positioned as you know this a high end competitor and it's uh, I think it's actually a pretty smart strategy now that I hadn't thought about that fully but now that I do it seems to make a lot of sense. But do you think that this application will reach outside of their CRM bubble meaning you know that if you're not on Salesforce and you're not using Salesforce will this product appeal to you and would you buy it without Salesforce? No, no, no. I don't think so. There's just too many other established and much more competitive solutions out there. And there's all these little startups. I wrote down a list of them that do that do adaptive insights, you know, data hero burst beyond core. Like there are, and that's, I think they're on the, the low end, but there are these really interesting, um, innovative startups that, that are just, that are, they're going to eat that, eat that part of the market up. So if, yeah, if you're not a, if you're not a Salesforce CRM customer, um, and you you don't even know about Salesforce Wave. I mean, look at us. We don't, we can't even figure out the basics of Salesforce Wave, and we are in the ecosystem. People outside. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't see that on the near horizon. Maybe maybe further out. There's just too many easy to do business with, um, very accessible competitors right now. Tableau, it's great click. So I don't see it. What do you think? I agree. I think I think that that would be my answer as well. I just. I don't see I don't see anyone really kind of going out there evaluating all these different you know business intelligence applications and coming up with Salesforce even in their top five to to dig deeper and and evaluate. Yeah, and even those even those. I don't, those in are, other words, I don't think it's going to show up on Gartner anytime soon. I, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't exactly. I mean, it's because it's not a standalone. I don't think will it even be available as like a standalone. Well, it's a standalone app, and we know how we feel about that. No, I mean. I, but I think I think when you build, if you have like the builder license, and and this other thing, assuming it's a separate thing that when that actually lets you go in there and I think probably define data structures and your, and your cubes and all that, um, I think that'll be in Salesforce. So I think you'll have to be a Salesforce customer. You know, now whether you have to have the full CRM license or you can just have a platform license. You know, I don't know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of. But you know, there's still go go ahead. I was just gonna say, I I, I kind of want to theorize a little bit here because I am still on my bandwagon of why is it a separate app? Um, why obviously that at least based on my opinion and my perspective of this, it's this tool is not going to be valuable unless you have Salesforce. Um, the fact that it includes other data sets is valuable because many times you want to include your sales data in with your back office data, and you want to include that in, as part of your analysis. So I think as a Salesforce tool, it'll be really great. As far as it being a standalone BI tool that someone's going to buy that doesn't have Salesforce and doesn't use it, I don't really see it. However, I think I think one of the reasons it's separate and the pricing even, I think, kind of alludes to this is that those upper level guys that these are targeted towards, they probably don't log into Salesforce. They might have someone who just comes in and gives them briefings and things like that, or they have some other BI tool that lets them view this stuff. But I don't think, I think one of the reasons it's not in Salesforce one, the application um, is because it's too much for, for someone who's at the C level. Are they going to log into Salesforce one and see all that other stuff? Or they just want to see a bunch of analytics and see what's I don't know. going on. I heard Alex Dayon say that, that 
the analytics app is built on Salesforce One. Well, it now, might be. It might be the, the Salesforce One technology in the back end. It's definitely not a native app. I can tell you that. Um, based on the the way it use the way it works and some of the gestures and even just little quirks here and there, I can tell it's definitely yeah. not a native app. No, these are all. Um, so these are all their their standard tool sets for you know basically building HTML apps in in mobile. Right. Tell you, man, it's it's this is the analytic the wave app is you know d3 d3.js charts on a you know cord what's the cordova um it's cordova but what was it called before that a phone gap you know it's like phone it's a phone gap you know hybrid app with uh, some fancy d3 charts so that's what i think i think i think those upper level c those upper level c guys in a huge enterprise company really don't use salesforce they really don't log into it they might not even have a login and so, you know, making this a separate app makes it much more accessible for those people. That's my theory. It could be. Yeah, so still no, uh, no benchmarks, um, no information about how it's been, you know, tested or scaled up for you know, real loads or anything. Uh, of course, you know, none, none of that information yet. Yeah. Now, the application itself it is at least well done. It has, um, when you load it up for the first time, you do get kind of a tour. Um, you also get kind of a guided tour, meaning it has little prompts here and there that, you know, click on this and it prompts, you know, what this does and filters and it does make good use of gestures. I mean, they're, they're not everywhere and they're probably not all spot on. They're a little quirky to get used to, but it does use them. Um, and even the transitions and manipulating the data was really fast and it looked really cool. The charts transitioning and things like that. You can drill in, you can enable filters, you can actively turn filters off and on or if you have a graph that has a legend you can click on the legend text and that would essentially toggle that value off and on so if you have u.s and canada on the same chart and you just click on canada to get rid of it then now you're just looking at u.s data so in terms of manipulating the data and showing the data in different forms it, it does a pretty good job at that and i didn't notice any major issues with it so far in terms of performance or anything yeah i mean they're gonna rev that thing many times before I think before it's ready. Like, so that's, so that's actually good news. I mean, right out of the shoot, even without the ability to even use this thing, it's, it's pretty slick. And yeah. I, you know, they, they clearly they focused on, you know, because they're all about mobile now. Right. Right. Um, and they're kind of walking the, walking the talk here with, um, with a nice looking again, it's, you know, to me, it just looks like, you know, D three charts and animations, but, it might be, um, but, but, but I mean, e- even on a mobile device, what, clicking on things and interacting with the charts itself is, was really nice and, you know, no major quirks or anything like that. Yeah, that I no, I, I agree. It's, it's well packaged and looks good. It just, it's, it's all, um, it's still smoke and mirrors though at this point. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably, that data is probably highly optimized. Yeah. And I'm sure in order to, in order to get it to work on real data, like I said, I'm sure, I'm sure they're going to rev that app a lot. I mean, what was it? They just revved it yesterday. And it, I think it's like 1.0.2 now or something. So they've, you know, it's, it's pretty new. And my point is, I, I, think, I think it'll go through several iterations before we ever get to actually use it. So if it's good now, imagine how good it'll be then. Imagine how good it'd be if it was part of Salesforce One and everyone could use it <laughs> instead of a separate app. Everyone can use it, regardless of whether they have Salesforce or not. How about that? How is so? Because it's a separate app and you don't have to have Salesforce to run it. No, because whenever you log in, whenever you cl- go to add a connection or a new 
you know, whatever you get sent to the Salesforce yeah. login prompt. And also it isn't chat chatters. Like, um, seems to be integrated into this. So you can, you can run a, uh, an app or a dashboard or whatever it's called, you know, kind of do like a, almost like a screenshot and then annotate it. And then, you know, you can chatter that over to someone. Mm-hmm. So it does, it does seem pretty tied into Salesforce, but you know, so one thing I was wondering about last time is, you know, are they calling this big data? Um, and I went through and listened to things again and, and, read through some of the literature and they are not uh, never once did I see, did I see or hear or read big data. So that's actually good. Cause I knew there was no way it could be. Um, cause that, you know, big data that, that implies, you know, at least, you know, a, a, your data set has at least, you know, t- you know, terabyte, dozens of terabytes and that you're doing, you know, real data science type stuff. So, th- this, so that's not what this is. This is definitely along the lines of, you know, m- kind of mid-level business intelligence. Yeah, but I mean, I don't blame them for that. I think I think this is going to be their kind of baby step into it, you know, getting their toe into the water. Even though they, they are trying to, you know, compete with the bigger guys, I, I, I don't think they're going to try and bite off too much. Uh, yeah, I agree. But I, I still think overall, I, I, I think it was rushed. I, I don't think it was ready to be out. I, I kind of think they should have spent more time piloting it, maybe done more to make a little bit more available to us, at least in terms of information, how it works, the underlying technologies and architecture and all that kind of stuff. And we just haven't gotten anything on it. So there's a new uh, query language for it called Salesforce Analytic Query Language, SACWL. So we have... SACWL, SACWL, and SACWL. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, great. Well, Salesforce is big about branding things. They, they have to brand it. They have to name it, um, oh, and which, which wouldn't be bad because that gives us something to all kind of anchor to and talk about so that we all kind of know what we're talking about. The well, they're, sure is, they're sure as hell not going to use also any... any standardized technology right no. it's gonna it's going to be their own they're, even they are, if they did use standard technology they're going to brand it something their own i guess so but that that kind of segues into what i wanted to get into next which is kind of their their marketing their branding because they did a big branding shift uh, again with this last reinforced we have you know new clouds marketing clouds analytics clouds they're focused on the customer success platform is what they are now um they actually even have a new logo. Did you notice that? Salesforce does? Yeah. I didn't notice that. It, it's so subtle because basically what they did is they took the cloud and, you know, it was white and had those gradients and had the text inside of it. And now it's just a flat blue logo with the white text on the inside. It's greatly simplified. Yeah, they kind of revved all of their, and I guess in addition to the logo, everything is flat now. Yeah, they, they, they redid their site and they, they of course, updated the logo. Um, Kind of looks like a, like a blue poo with a <laughs> Salesforce in the middle of it. It's a cloud. Hopefully the cloud doesn't go out of style because they've pretty much latched onto that in terms of their marketing, but I don't, they're not tied to any of it. They're, they're willing to change it all. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. At any point in time. I thought that was interesting that that kind of was snuck in there and I really didn't hear anybody really mentioning or talking about it. There was an article on TechCrunch I think once I started looking that kind of talked about the the article, and I I made a link to it, and I'm kind of loading up right now to remind myself of it. But it, it what caught me about it was Salesforce. The title is Salesforce's reinvention as a marketing behemoth, which is kind of funny because I I've always thought they were very marketing heavy. They've always been you know really big and good about branding things and well changing things all the time too. But I don't think this is something new for them. Yeah, 
they, I think they're a very marketing focused company. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they, they're great at painting pictures of things that don't exist. And yeah. I mean, remember, I mean, gosh, for a year, no one, no one really understood what Salesforce one meant because Salesforce painted such uh, an, like a, an all encompassing picture of what Salesforce one was. And it turns out it's, it's really just a mo. It's really just a, a phone gap mo- you know, mobile app. <laughs> and that's kind of the problem with, with what they do with their branding. Cause this article actually kind of congratulates them for the most part for cr- release or removing some of the confusion around all their different clouds, because they had all these very specific clouds like, you know, social and, you know, I guess marketing or, you know, all those things where you can get very detailed communications out of it. And now it's just this one big marketing cloud umbrella. The problem is, is the tool set itself is still pretty much broken up into all those different things. I didn't see any kind of real unification other than branding around those applications. Which applications? Uh, applications like Exact Target and Radiant 6 and Pardot. Desk, which is that still around? Desk.com? Uh, didn't yeah. they kill that? Or is that, was that Do? I do. I know they killed. I think desktop.com is still around. Uh, at least the app is still there. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I think this is, it's going to be a slow rollout. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of technology pieces. You remember when we talked about that, um, Salesforce had a couple of blog posts, um, about like, uh, you know, all the, about the, basically their internal engineering and all the different tools and technology they use. I realize now a lot of what they talked about in that was I, I was I, th- I think was uh, was wave stuff. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've noticed a lot more blog posts on managing you know large data sets and creating the right kind of org structure and you know taking care and modeling your data, but it's all the same best practices, which is basically keep only the data you really need in Salesforce and get rid of the rest. You know, have an enterprise data management strategy where that data can live to be analyzed and don't keep it in Salesforce. And, and maybe analytics will provide that, that tool set, the ability to say, okay, we're, we're going to get this out of Salesforce. We have access to the data through analytics rather than within the application itself. Yeah. Cause I remember they were, and they talked about how they use, you know, Apache HBase and how they, they were open sourcing like some query um, layer on top of that. And I'm just thinking, you know what? I can't think of anywhere in Salesforce where that would where they'd be using that, right? And I, I think it was, um, I think it was them getting ready for Wave. I mean, they were building Wave. So I just, you know, I think Wave's real. It's just it's it's not ready, and it's going to be a slow rollout. They they priced it sky high so that people, you know, aren't don't want to buy it yet. It's still in just an extremely limited, you know, just it's under development still, right? So. Yeah, you know, supposedly it's not even in a lot of their data centers yet. It's probably only if you have an an HP SuperPod. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for you to do your your echoey sound. But I don't know if I have that. Sound. Hello, oh. test HP SuperPod. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Anything else on Wave? No, I'm done talking about Wave. I'm tired of Wave. There was something in the news. Okay, so there was something I saw today that was um, actually a couple things. One, that LinkedIn is going to take on Salesforce. Did you see this? No, that would be interesting. You know, LinkedIn is, I guess they're selling, you know, I mean, think of it. It's basically a CRM system. Everyone, Everyone in the world is in it. 
you know, you've got companies are defined in it and, and all their employees are defined. Um, I can see, I can see LinkedIn being more, more competitive with something like Workday, um, just because you're managing relationships and really that's the new monster.com. That's where people kind of go to network and figure out, you know, what they're going to do next. So this thing's, this is a, this is a tech crunch, which, oh, tech crunch is not a, not a good source. But anyway, <clears throat> LinkedIn is the only company with a fairly clean and, ac- and accurate details on pretty much every contact that matters in the business world. Oh, I, don't um, that. I don't know how accurate that is. Every, every other day I get recommended. Um, what do they call that? Is it a recommendation? Where you go in and you kind of vote on someone's skill set? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but still, I mean, you link. I mean, I think it's just their data that is. Um, uh, they could productize this in an interesting way. I don't know. I'm going to read this. Um, I will report back. Uh, the other thing was that um, your Salesforce org is not secure, and that's because so there was some analysis of security analysis um, that released a firm that released some report that said that um, let's see, on average, seven percent of uh, users on Salesforce accounts are privileged or have admin access. Uh, basically, they're a super admin. So, you know, in a compromised super admin account represents a much greater threat to an organization because it has access to not only view and edit privileged data, but also to modify access rights of, of other users. So just basically just it. Um, and also oh, here, 11% of accounts are zombie accounts, according to the study um, accounts, which haven't even been touched. So, you know, basically people who are admin users that just haven't even logged in because, you know, I think about in a big company. I mean, some companies have good, what are they like audits on these things, but a lot of them don't like mid-sized mm-hmm. companies. There might be a dozen admins, you know, one or two of which are on, are, are active. So it's just, yeah, it's just, it, there's a large surface area to it, to attack with all these, you know, an unnecessarily high number of, of admin accounts. But that make, I mean, so these, when they say zombie, they've looked in to see when they last logged in and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, they also give this example of a... Um, I, I find that hard to believe because the Salesforce license isn't cheap, so you'd think you'd want to release that and oh, man, recoup I, that. I don't know. Some, so again, some companies do a good job of that, and some of them do not at all. They just, they pay, you know, they see the bill once a year, they pay it, and you know, just is what it is. That's true. You're kind of buying blocks. So <clears throat> either way, unless you're hitting that limit, you're probably not going to go in and make sure everything's deactivated. Yeah. Another problem, and I'm not sure if this comes into play with the calculation they did or analysis they did, is that a lot of times admins are tasked with scheduling jobs and things like that because you basically have to have an active user to do that. Um, and they could just never log in, but that account is being used for those type of things. Like they never oh, right. turned it off like, because they'd have to yeah. reschedule a job or something. And all the, like integration accounts. Right. Yeah. Well, the integration accounts would actually have to log in. So those would probably get counted as, as being used. Right. But there's other things where there's really no actual login attempt. It's just, it's an active user that system uses. Yep. Which I always found weird. I, I hate that things like scheduling jobs and things like that uses the context of the user that created it. I'd, I'd much rather be able to specify. If, if even if that's necessary at all, it should just run system context. But even even in system context, there's still. I mean, you can still do a like, user info get user get get user ID, right? I mean, there's still a user ID there. Yeah. No, there's if, always a user. Right. It what it, it so it's the user that what last modified like the the job or something or what is it? 
I don't think you can edit jobs. You can destroy them and recreate them. So it's the person that created them. Okay. Which is usually an admin because admin usually has access to those tools. But a lot of times those admins are con- contractors and consultants like myself. And then you go in and um, they release your account. They deactivate you because you're not working on their project anymore because they're being good stewards of their system security. And then their jobs stop working. So I still get the admin emails from, oh, or, from orgs that I haven't logged into or even talked to people at the company in, in years. Yeah, I, I definitely don't doubt the stats of that article because I, it's actually slowed down recently. So I wonder if, if a bunch of them just kind of started fixing it. But yeah, for the longest time, I still, I would get, you know, every time there's a notice from Salesforce that said that something's going to change or some, something like that, um, I would get like 10 emails. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So yeah, so people should um, do a quick audit, look at all their admin users and turn, turn them off. It, it'd be like running as root constantly on your computer, right? Yeah. I mean, it's only a matter, only matter of time before that something bad happens. We don't do that anymore, do we? Nope. Have you heard of an app called Zendo? I don't know, I don't know if it's an app or service. I think I'll consider it a service. Uh, no. No? Mm-mm. It was actually in my notes to talk about during our hiatus but we never talked about it um but it's actually just a new application that lets you search across a lot of different cloud sources so by that i mean apps like salesforce google docs chatter um the list goes on on exactly what they support but i thought it was pretty interesting they actually the reason i brought it up is because you mentioned security and they they actually tout how much more secure they are than than a lot of other apps in fact i think they're ranked higher than than even Salesforce in terms of security. And that's because they actually have to index the data. So it's, it, Oh, they're bringing the data in. Yeah. And they're, oh, they're bringing wow. the data in, which is kind of risky. I, I'm, you know, I'm always sensitive when I, when I think about building an app or even an external app that lives outside of Salesforce. I'm, I'm very conscious of the fact that I really don't want that data on my server. I really don't even want to be the go between meaning data coming from Salesforce to my server, then to another location. Um, which is kind of what you get with, you know, cloud ETL tools. But so, yeah, that, that's an interesting tool. Uh, I'm glad they're focused on security. In fact, it's like the first option on their site is security. You know, on the, you know when you have the navigation links and those kind of things, security is the first one. Yeah, it's probably just to make you feel like it's secure. But I mean, it, it solves an interesting problem that we all have. We all have tools everywhere data everywhere we have it in dropbox we have it in linkedin salesforce chatter google now um so how do you search all that how do you find what you need across all those different sources i don't i don't ever my personal use case i don't ever i I don't ever want to do a a unified search like that like i know if i want to search google docs for something i mean the only thing I, i can think of is like if you were doing like legal research if you you know you're involved in a lawsuit and you need to find everything that relates to, you know, some company name or something. Yeah. And this is really marketed towards businesses, not necessarily um, end users. So uh, how much of a risk is that? I mean, not only just the fact that the search tool indexes that information, but even beyond that, how risky is it that your company has data in so many different places like that external in the cloud out of your control? That's a good point. And I, this is also something that I think applies to wave a little bit. You know, if you want any data that you want to be able to use in wave, it's got to be in wave. Yeah. Right. 
Although I will, I'll leave you with a little tidbit here that you can noodle on. (laughs) (laughs) GE said that they were able to keep their private data on their side of the firewall, yet still use it in wave. Think about that. (laughs) I I would venture to say that they have, they have half the problem being solved by another tool that submits less identifiable information to analytics or to wave. Basically it's, it's summarizing before it gets to wave. But that's, that wouldn't be keeping it on their side of the firewall. I don't know. It was, it was very, very interesting. Well, no, it uh, has. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they could be connecting directly to their system and using wave. I, I mean, maybe there's an agent that you can host yeah. that wave calls out to and, and fires a query to it. And you know, you're running some kind of wave in your own little pod behind your firewall. Right. Right. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, no, that is interesting. That, and that, definitely would solve a lot of enterprise problems when it comes to where your data is stored at, especially not even just because we're talking about analytics and we're talking about spanning data across, especially enterprise, global enterprise. They have data, you know, in the U S they have data in the UK, they have data in you know, wherever they're from. And a lot of those countries have laws that say, you know, you have to keep that country's data in that country. Yep. So you definitely couldn't centralize it and or, you could, with some exceptions, I've seen that happen, but it well, be- I think that's one reason why Salesforce has had this big push to open all these data centers in other parts of the world. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's it well, it's not only performance, but it's also just to kind of meet the law, the local laws when it comes to that. Yeah. Oh, I have one one final little thing here. Uh, There's something we always do when we're building a product, and that is we always bring our customers in. We bring them right in to our development circle because we have a lot of good ideas, but really our customers' ideas are far better. So, John, um, how, how did you like being a part of that, um, a, a part of the Wave customer circle? Was that a good experience? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, it was for me, too. I'm really glad they brought, you know, we're, customers we're, in. We're not, we're not customers anymore. We're, we're the little guys. <laughs> only, only the big enterprise guys with, with private jets. And uh, company and those boats, cars those boats. <laughs> and boats are the customers. Those are the new Salesforce customers, right. not, not us anymore. Right. No, we're just bitter plebes, remember? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I use us in, in a general term of describing probably 50 to 60% of Dreamforce. You know, the, the little guy, Salesforce is big enterprise now. They're, there's yep. no getting around it. That's right. what they are. And that's, you know, they're, they're not going to cater to the smaller guys anymore. No, and I mean, I think Wave is a huge, is a huge message there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think we're done. I'm done. You're done? I'm done. How about we talk about some Salesforce coding stuff? <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Can't make, be it, all... make it quick. I just have a little rant, that's all. Okay. You know I like to rant. No, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are we role swapping here? All right, sure. I don't know. Actually, this was something I noticed when I was helping you out with an issue. Okay. And that was commenting. I, I okay. Commenting for the sake of removing functionality without actually committing to removing that functionality. I, th- I think, you know, what happens is, is I don't mind commenting for debugging. You know, you're trying to figure out why something's not working. You comment out something just to get something to render all the time or 
not render just to see what's going on. And as part of debugging, it's a useful tool. But commenting just because you're adding a whole new feature and you don't want to commit to that new code is horrible because essentially that sits there and that stays there forever until someone comes in and cleans it up. Yeah. So and I think it speaks to the fact that people aren't using version control because if you use version control, you'd be less worried about that code block of code that for some reason you think is so important and so awesome that you couldn't rewrite it. Yeah. So, so some, a little bit more context here so people don't get confused. <laughs> uh, I am work. I am, I'm being, uh, I want to say forced asked to work on code that was again, you know, written by, um, your typical Salesforce developer. And it's pretty much a complete disaster. You, you know, classes that are, you know, have thousands, you know, individual methods that have, I think in the thousands of lines, you know, co- commented out code everywhere that you don't, it's, it, you know, again, and we, we are using version control because I forced this person to use version control. Uh, but, you know, they act like that you're not using, like there is no version control. They're afraid to um, remove any code for whatever reason. They just comment everything out. So, so you're looking through this code. And, and in this case, this is a person who is, you know, gone now. And, but they, you know, I've got this code. And, you know, you see all this commented code and you think, well, they commented out. I mean, does that mean that it's not needed anymore or that it, it is needed? You know, which, which is it? Yeah. Were they in the middle of debugging something? Yeah. And of course, you know, because the methods are so long and, you know, everything's named poorly, you, the code doesn't, the, the, there's no semantics in the code. It's not, the code is not speaking to you, telling you what it does and what its intentions are. And because, and because of that, you really, you have no confidence in removing the code other than the fact that I can remove it and commit it. And if I, you know, if I needed to go, if I, if I lost something that turned out to be important, you know, I can just go get, you know, go pull an old version of it and get it. But yeah, that's, and that's part of the whole comp, you know, overall commenting problem. You know, how do you comment? But we won't get into that now because that's a bigger topic, but. We, we cover that topic quite often, but th- that was one aspect of commenting that we, I don't think we've touched on before was that just people using it to hold on to old yeah. code. It's they're hoarding code. Right. And that's, that's the code. And that's hoarders. never the right thing to do. Like we can, we can, there are, I think smart people can disagree on how you should comment, but I think almost everyone can agree that that is not a way to use comments. And I'm glad for the clarification on context. I realized it almost made it, it was my like code. <laughs> it was yeah. your code that you're just commenting. No, but why, way. why was, do you remember why I was, I asked for your help? Uh, no, it's because, and there's many cases in Salesforce, and this is one of them in communities or portals, whatever you want to call it, that any, any error, any exception or error that happens during the render phase of a visual force page is, is completely lost. It, it, first of all, that it won't, you can't see, you don't see it on the screen as you'd normally do. Like if you're running a, if you, if you are looking at a visual force page inside your Salesforce org, like say you, right. you, you, um, in this case, I think it was exceeded, um, not the heaps, not the, uh, the, the view state size. So view state size is exceeded and it just, you know, spits that message right out on the screen. Well, in a community, they, if there's an, any kind of error that happens, it redirects to some friendly error page, but there's no way to capture in logs. You know, you can create debug logs all you want and the visual force render errors that happen during rendering a visual force page are completely lost and there's no way to get them. And in this case, there's really no way for me to run those visual visual force pages inside the, you know, outside of the community. So in, in the org itself, because there's so many dependencies on 
the fact that that is a community user that you'd have to somehow detangle all those things in order to even get it to run. I think at some point we did manage to run it in a context that would allow that. That's how we found I out. Did. It I did. In this case, that's what I did. I kind of detangled or just kind of stubbed in like a fake user and a fake contact and all that stuff in, in order to get it to run. And that's how I found out. But yeah. yeah so welcome to uh, Salesforce where you can't even log exceptions that happen. Uh, now that is a different topic. That's a much bigger topic. Well, the whole error handling, uh, logging, debugging. Yeah, there's a lot of tools available for A lot that. of logging problems in Salesforce. Whole lot. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, cool. I feel like we contributed something today. Yeah, check your, uh, check your admin access. And uh, maybe you'll get wave in a year. If you're big enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> get, that, get that checkbook out. Yep. <laughs> All right, John, take us out. Good day, sir. Good day, sir. My Fitbit. I'm liking this ball. Aloha. Thank you.